Hi, I'm Keith, and this is my dad, Kerwin. We're here to speak with Star Wars MVP, Pete Fletzer. He's big time, very big time. He's so big, he's got his own Wikipedia page. We'll speak with Mr. Fletzer in this episode of Father Side Galaxy. Thank you for joining us. Pete yes. Fletcher is a freelance writer who started his career in the late 90s writing for Star Wars Galaxy and Star Wars Insider magazines. His articles were featured at a time when Star Wars was resurging from the release of the original trilogy, special editions, and the premiere of the prequel trilogy. Mr. Fletcher is also the host of the Around the Galaxy and Disturbances in the Force podcast. He's the organizer of the Potathon, an annual event that brings together Star Wars content creators and celebrity guests to raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The goal for 2022 was $10,000, and Potathon exceeded that number, raised nearly $17,000. Mr. Fletzer, welcome to Father Son Galaxy. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank yep, you, you're Pete. welcome. Thank you, Pete. We've been looking forward to this for a good long while. <laughs> well, I, I, I have too. I'm excited to talk to you guys. All right. Congratulations on Potathon 2022. Uh, well, thank you. But it was absolutely a, such a group effort, including you guys uh, as, as a big part of it. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, geez, it, it got bigger than we expected very quickly. And just uh, at the end of the day, when I'm so, when I think about it, I'm just so happy that I, that that almost seventeen thousand dollars, as you mentioned, Keith, is going to go toward literally making wishes come true for kids who need it, and it, it more than than anybody else. So it's just uh, it does my heart good to see the Star Wars community come out and and do all those amazing things together. Yeah, it is for a wonderful cause. I'm wondering uh, what made you choose to create Potathon, and why did you choose the Make Wish Foundation as your charity? Yeah. So back in 2020, uh, I was excited to be going to Star Wars Celebration. Um, and then the pandemic hit, of course, and so much was shut down, including Star Wars Celebration. And um, so I thought, well, what if we did like a virtual you know, event, fan event of some sort? Um, but the, the thing that would make it really special would be if we added a, a charity to it and, um, you know, make a wish like all charities in 2020, we're really, we're really getting hammered by the fact that not everybody was making donations. Everybody was trying to figure out what was going to be happening. And so they they were hit pretty hard, um, as were all charities. You know, that was one of the biggest challenges was picking a charity. But, you know, Make-A-Wish being about hope for children kind of really fits the Star Wars theme. And, of course, Make-A-Wish and Lucasfilm and Disney have a, a great history together. So it just felt like the right thing to do. and. Also, honestly, for all you other charities listening, they made it so easy to collect donations that go straight through them. You know, for years I had done a a, a, a golf charity, a local a local golf charity, and the challenge was the money would come in through a different account, and you'd have to distribute it. And you know, it was difficult for people to donate. It was difficult for people to 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 run through that whole process. But Make a Wish's website just made it so that we could connect directly to it. All we have to do is get people talking about it and then they go and donate directly. But the other thing is make a wish 
uh, as you guys did with your interview with your friend uh, a few weeks ago, and which was part of Potathon as well. Um, you know, when you th- see and hear what it does, um, it you know, as I was editing the videos to put into to to make a uh, Potathon, watching the Make a Wish videos, like I had to like you know step away and wipe my eyes because it's just you know it's so impressive there's these little things that make a big difference in a kid's life and um it it felt like the right way to go tell us about your childhood where did you grow up and what were your hobbies i i grew up in uh northern new jersey um my hobbies as a kid were i was really into uh, uh ice hockey and baseball and um i also got into science fiction and monster movies with my dad. And I remember watching Godzilla movies and, uh, you know, the old universal horror movies, the Frankenstein movies and the werewolf and those things with my dad. And um, a relationship that my dad and I had built over the years was really around movies from different genres that were, you know, all in that sort of science fiction and horror and, um, you know, the sort of adventure films and so my dad took me to see star wars in 1977 when i was seven years old and um i remember uh coming home sitting in the back back part of the station wagon it was before safety was invented invented so i was just you know not wearing a seatbelt. but i remember pretending to be shooting down tie fighters in the back seat of of the car and so that was my introduction to star wars uh with, with my dad, but, you know, it was just one of those things. My dad and I have always had this really great relationship when it comes to talking about, uh, about movies, uh, whether they're, um, you know, Oscar winning movies. We talk a lot about those or they're the, the fun adventure movies that we all love, like star Wars, and Indiana Jones, and, uh, you know, transformers and all those movies. Mm-hmm. So when you went to see your first Star Wars movie, when you saw the first one, mm-hmm. you know, which is now called The New Hope for the first time, right. what intrigued you the most about the film? Well, you know, I think the thing that I remember, it's funny, I don't really remember seeing the movie. Like, there's nothing that really sticks out. What, what scenes in Tatooine with the Jawas are stuck in my head for some reason. But the thing that I remember most about going to see Star Wars for the first time was I didn't see it until it was out probably about three or four months. And um, because back in back in those days, a movie would stay in the theaters for a year. But my birthday uh, is in July. And my grandmother gave me a T-shirt with had a picture of R2-D2 and C-3PO on it. I had no idea what that was about, who they were, what they were all about. And in my mind, for some reason, I thought C-3PO was a bad guy. So you can imagine (laughs) you can imagine my surprise when the movie opened and he was sort of running away from the bad guys. And, um, but it, it's funny because there was something about that movie that from that moment forward, again, I was seven years old, everything I saw from that moment forward was compared to star Wars. And I remember like close encounters came out and ET and all these other movies. And I would always be like, star Wars would be my, my high watermark. Like, okay, was that better than star Wars? Where does it come in close to star Wars? And, um, but it also, was the perfect time for me at perfect age because, you know, at eight, seven, eight years old, I'm learning to read. uh, I'm engaging with action figures. And so I was the target audience. And if I told you the amount of action figures that are lost in my parents' old backyard, just buried under the sand because of all the 
the games we played with them uh it would it would make it, it breaks my heart to think about it but the way the other way i look at it is i had so much fun playing with them um the the monetary value of the millennium falcon toy set and the old action figures well well worth it but it was one of those things that really it became not just uh important to me from an entertainment perspective but me and and my closest friends that was sort of the center of our world like you know, it was when we got together, we played with our action figures. When we sat on the bus on the way to school, we talked about Star Wars. When we doodled in our notebooks, we drew X-Wings and TIE Fighters. And so it was really, it it took over my world. And what's so interesting is 45 years later, it's still something that I just have this intense love for. And it's kind of, it's it's interesting that a simple, a simple movie has grown into this insanely large franchise and continues to give content that we can all enjoy and so it's it's really it's one of those really interesting things it's a bit of a, a blessing that this that i was at the right time to engage with it for the first time and it's it's really stuck with me so you went from being a star wars fan to actually writing for star wars can you tell us about that journey yeah so that was uh, again it was directly related to my father and so it's so cool to talk to you guys about this because my father and his friends were starting a um a board game a trivia board game because my father's always been a big trivia fan and they called it the amazing science fiction and horror trivia game and in the game this was back in 1990 something 93 94 something like that um and in the game they had a whole section of star wars questions so my dad said i don't know anybody who knows more about star wars than you so why don't you write the questions for us i said sure and I did. I wrote like 200 questions about Star Wars based just on three movies, because that's all we had. We didn't have the prequels. We did. We had the books, but we didn't really go into the books that much in this. So 200 movie, 200 questions from the movies, which if, if I had the questions handy, I'd ask them to you now. And you'd be like, really? People didn't know that. But it's uh, it was kind of funny from that perspective. But so one of the things that um, they were doing to promote this game was they were mailing out newsletters, literally printed newsletters to people who they had met at various places, conventions and things like that. And my father asked me to write a Star Wars column every other month. I wrote a, it, which was hard to do in the mid nineties because there was not much going on in Star Wars. Um, and at the same time, the internet was starting to happen. Things were starting, the websites were starting to pop up. And I decided to create the, what I think might have been the very first Star Wars fan website. It was called Echo Base. And I think we did it with like GeoCities or AOL.com or something like that. And what was interesting was because there wasn't a lot of Star Wars content on the internet, people thought that I was working for Lucasfilm or Star Wars, or at least wanted information. At the same time, Steve Sansweet, who, as you know, from Rancho Obi-Wan, um, he was the one of the editors of Star Wars Galaxy magazine, and I had uh, I had reached out to him because everybody was asking me where they could find Steve Sansweet at these various conventions because the special editions were on their way out, and so Steve Sansweet was going from convention to convention. They were all Star Trek conventions mostly because there were no Star Wars celebrations. Um, <laughs> And they were contacting me, seeing where Steve was going to be because he was showing a slideshow and sort of behind the scenes of the special editions. So on a whim, I called Lucasfilm and said, hey, listen, I would love to get Steve Sansweet's schedule so I could put it up on this website. And they said, OK, hold on one second. And 
I'm sitting there on hold. I'm looking around my room because I had all the Steve Sansweet's books because I was a big fan of him and the collectibles and picks up the phone and I hear, hello, this is Steve Sansweet. And I almost fell out of my chair. Here I am, a big fan of this guy. And all I wanted, I expected like an email with some dates and we just started talking. And I told him a little bit about the amazing science fiction horror trivia game. I told him about my writing and he said, listen, Pete, I have more work than I can get done. Send me a sample of your writing. And if I like it, I could probably find some work for you. So I printed out all my stuff. I put it in a folder. I actually still have the folder somewhere. Um, and I sent it out to him overnighted in FedEx because I couldn't email these things at the time. And, um, and he said, yeah, sounds great. Um, and I, the first thing I ever covered was uh, in New Jersey at the Liberty Science Center. There is uh, an IMAX theater and they had a film called special effects which was done by ben burt and so i covered the opening of the special effects imax movie and my very first interview for star wars galaxy magazine was ben burt the sound designer of all things star wars and as a star wars fan since i was seven that was just an incredible entry into it wow that's an amazing story <laughs> <laughs> that's funny now i you know, I, and I've never heard of actually uh, the Star Wars Galaxy magazine, so I'm glad you explained to me the history of Star Wars Galaxy. I mean, I'm familiar with Starlog, mm -hmm. Star Insider. There was a Cinefix magazine back then. Yep, yep. Uh, what? Cinnamon magazine? <laughs> Cinefix. Uh, cinema. Cinnamon magazine. Okay. Cinnamon magazine. Yeah, yeah, so that was a mag. I think it's still around, Cinefix magazine. It, it, well, I magazine. think yeah. so, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank but, you. Yep. Yes, thank you for explaining that. So, no problem. Yeah, Steve Sansweet. You know, now that we're on the subject of Steve, yeah. um, I recall listening to a story that you told about you and Steve Sansweet, him asking you to come out to the ranch. Yeah, ranch meaning uh, Skywalker Ranch. And do you mind sharing that story with us? Oh, sure. No, no, no problem. It's 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 so. It was funny. I was actually I was going out to San Francisco um, for uh, for for my day job at the time. And, um, and I told Steve, he said, Oh, great. I'm going to be in town. Why don't you come on up to the ranch? And again, as you just said, you say the ranch and anybody who's a star Wars fan knows the ranch. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, yes, I will be there. I'll figure it out. Um, a little aside to the story. It's kind of funny is I went to go rent my car to drive from San Francisco up to, um, uh, up to Skywalker ranch in San Rafael. And I get there and I was just going to rent some cheapo thing. Cause you know, this was 20 years ago and I didn't need something fancy. I just needed to get to the ranch. And I walk into the car rental place and they said to me, oh, sir, I'm sorry, but your, your car isn't available. I'm panicking because Steve said, be there for lunch. And I'm like, ah, they're like, would you be okay with a convertible Mustang? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Same price. I'll take that. So I got to drive over the Golden Gate Bridge with a, in a convertible Mustang on my way to Skywalker Ranch, which was just, you know, that's I, I'll never top that. I've peaked at that point. But anyway, so Steve invites me to the ranch uh, and I get there and he's walking me uh, around. Now, this is the older version of the ranch. So there was now if you go to Skywalker Ranch, there is, you know, there's Star Wars stuff everywhere. There's the Yoda statue and all those things. At the time, it was a little bit more subdued. And, um, and I remember I was walking with Steve and um, there was this little hallway which had a number of movie props, uh, things like a little walker that was actually used, one of the lightsabers. Um, they had the golden idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark, which to me, that was my favorite thing to see there. Because what was so funny about it was 
is basically a block of wood that's painted gold and it's all chipped up and it looks really bad in person, but it was very cool to see that. But my favorite part of the day was um, as, I, as we were walking through this area, walking down the stairs was the prequel producer, Rick McCullum. And he's like, he, he says, Steve, I got to talk to you. Uh, and Rick McCallum uses very colorful language that none of us should be using. Um, and he, uh, he called Steve over and they were talking about something. And, um, and then my favorite part of it was after they were done, Rick apologized to me for interrupting our conversation. Like I was somebody important. He was like, really sorry. I had to do it. So that was very cool. Um, and then we, when we went to lunch, uh, we sat with uh, Don Bees, who is, he was the guy, it, Steve was like, do you know who this is? I was like, yeah, he's the guy who's doing R2-D2 in the movies. And so um, it was very cool to, to meet that there. And also I got to go to the THX theater. And um, he, the thing that I'll never forget is he, he said, um, well, I would take you back into the control room, but I can't because um, um, they're working on a movie called Titanic, which is coming out later and they're just finishing that up i was like okay at the time meant nothing to me but oh my gosh i was in the building when they were mixing titanic which was pretty cool so but it was just a beautiful place and just an amazing experience and uh i can't say enough great things about steve because steve also invited me up to rancho obi-wan which at the time was sort of about probably about half the size it is now um and uh he showed me around and it was he was just steve is really probably one of the nicest guys uh i've ever met in the star wars universe and what was amazing was at star wars celebration this year um even though i haven't seen steve probably in about maybe 15 years um he uh i went there before it opened on the last day and he walked out and it was like we had just seen each other the day before he was very cool a very nice guy um and if I always encourage people to support Rancho Obi-Wan because uh, it is, it's a, it's a nonprofit now and it's a museum of all the stuff that we love. So. Now, were you in California at the time when Steve asked you to come out to the ranch or did you fly out? No, well, I, I flew out to California. I was oh, there wow. for, um, for something else for my, for my day job. I've always been on the East coast. So it's been, uh, it was, I flew out for something else, but I found a way to make that happen. <laughs> Mm, okay, got you. Now, um, when I was reading your bio, you mentioned that you um, you stepped away from writing and you disappeared for uh, a period of time. Yes. Why did you step away? Well, you know, I think it was sort of you know, freelance writing, unless you make it really big, um, there's not a ton of money in it. Uh, it's a fun hobby. Um but it was, you know, I ended up getting involved in marketing communications and the healthcare industry and um, really ended up enjoying a, a lot of that. And so kind of, I, I, I'd even kind of lost touch with even, I mean, it was the whole Star Wars thing had quieted down after the prequels for a while there. Um, and so I was still doing writing, um, you know, in, in the healthcare industry and other industries. And I was working with an animation studio locally and things, but um I just had, I, I, for me, I felt like that ship had kind of sailed and um, as things like that do happen, but it was so funny because the passion of uh, the passion of being a Star Wars fan and the things that I enjoyed doing, doing the freelance writing stuck with me so much that it ended up leading to the podcast. And it's, um, it's, it's one of the, I, I'm, 
you know, I always tell people to, to absolutely always make the phone call. What is it? What is it that Wayne Gretzky says, you know, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And so uh, I'm glad I had those opportunities. I'm glad I got to the premieres of all three of the prequel movies in New York city. Uh, I'm glad I've had those opportunities to speak to people I did working uh, freelance for star Wars galaxy and uh, the, the star Wars insider. Um, but those were, those were a really cool thing at the time. And then I, got married i had two kids and i um it's sort of the uh the 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 real world kind of you know took over for a while and that that's okay because and i think that's what's so important about fandom in general whether you're a star wars fan lord of the rings sports fan knitting i don't know whatever you love so (laughs) it's so important to to keep that because it's always going to be there right on your worst days in the real world you can always go back to the things you love. And if you're passionate about it, you find ways to be successful about it. So, um, so again, even though I haven't, you know, done any writing for, for any of the, those publications in gosh, I guess about almost 20 years. Um, I still love the fandom and being involved in it. And um, it was such a great experience that it's, it, it's built who I am today, you know, in, you know, it's a 52 year old versus a seven year old who first saw the movie in the theaters. Great. So like you were talking about, you're now a dad. Yes. So, What lessons did you learn from your father that you're now passing on to your kids? Ah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that the one thing that I learned from my dad was to never really push my, my son or my daughter into anything make sure they sort of commit to what they're going to do. Um, but don't sort of force them to follow you into something that you love. And there's two things that are happening right now with my, my, my son is 10 years old, Jack. And, um, he does give me a hard time sometimes about doing the podcast because he's like, well, dad, I'm, I'm going to watch a movie. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go record this. He's like, oh, okay, whatever. And, but he came with, so we went to Star Wars Celebration together, my father and my son just the three of us went. And I remember when we got on the plane on the way home, uh, Jack turns to me, he goes, dad, I'm sorry. I give you a hard time about your podcast because star Wars is awesome. And I was like, okay, cool. See, I didn't push him to it, but he got there. But what's interesting for me right now is as much as I'm there to help him, you know, cause as a 10 year old and, and Keith, you probably do this too. You'll, you'll watch a star Wars episode and you'll ask your dad, you know, Hey, what, what does this mean? Or why did that happen? And even if you both don't have the answers, it's something you can talk about. And I've never been a basketball fan. It's just, that was never my sport. I was soccer. I was hockey and baseball. Those were my things. And now my son is really getting into basketball. And so I'm learning from him and I didn't push him into or away from basketball because I loved it or didn't love it. He just found it. And so it's really great to be able to share my favorite experiences in Star Wars. We'll watch, you know, Clone Wars together, and uh, and and that's his Star Wars. It's really interesting that my Star Wars was the films, Clone Wars, Rex, Fives. Those guys are his favorite characters, and so I learn about my favorite thing from him. And and again, it's the key. The most important lesson is I never never push my kids to do something that they don't want to do. If they decide they want to try it they do have to commit to finishing it, right? You can't, you can't say, I, I'm going to play soccer this year and quit after two weeks. No, we're, you're going to do that whole season. You're going to be committed to the team. But 
I'm never going to say you have to play baseball because I was a big baseball fan. It It's not the way it works. And to be able to, I think as a dad, when you recognize that you're going to learn as much from your children about things you never would have thought you'd be interested in. And once that starts to happen, it changes everything. So uh, it's a really important lesson that, that I, I definitely live by with my kids. I actually, um, I watched the Clone Wars. I've been watching it for years. I watched it late. I started watching it five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we moved here. Right, oh my God. F- what is up with my voice? Before we moved here. <laughs> since you were four, I believe, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember watching the, the Clone Wars in your bedroom while for some reason there were fireworks outside. <laughs> this was like six years ago. I tend to have like memories of stuff that's completely irrelevant. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. But and, you know, that's the funny thing. Like yeah. when you go back and you, those are like the, you don't, re- you won't remember an entire episode when you're 40 or 30 or 20, but you'll remember sitting next to your dad and fireworks, but you won't know what episode was on, but you'll remember that feeling. And that's, that's what's amazing about star Wars and being a father or a son or a family is it evokes those memories of sitting on the couch together or going into the theater together. Or my, my main memories of star Wars with my dad is him bringing home star log magazine for me, because that one happened to have a, an interview with, you know, sound designer Ben Bird or previews of the movies. And that's my I can't tell you about any of the magazines, but I know I remember him coming home and handing it to me and sitting together and looking at it. So, yeah, I actually remember. I think it was like season two. I got strong 17 vibes. <laughs> I think it was season two, episode 17. I don't know. But. There you go. <laughs> right. To your point, Pete. That's interesting because I didn't watch the Clone Wars. I introduced Keith uh, to the so original movies. to the original trilogy. And right, I right. We had to go to Best Buy because we didn't have a Blu-ray player. Like, <laughs> never right. to buy one. Right. And then same day we got um we got we got that because you had all the DVDs, yeah. and then we watched it together. And then like a couple of years later, The Force Awakens felt came out. Yeah. So it was like yeah. a year later that The Force Awakens came out. And then we watched that in like 2016. And then after that, you know, in between in between that stuff, me and my dad were doing some fun projects. So mm. now I know all my Roman numerals. Right, we made a game yes. out of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, nine. And, and the point of the Clone Wars, I didn't watch the Clone Wars, and I don't even know right. how you found them, Keith. I guess you just Netflix. knew that they were on oh, Netflix. Netflix, okay. And Mom. Okay, she was... showed it to me. She's okay. like, hey, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, watch this, watch it go. now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did I, just like you, Kerwin. I didn't watch the Clone Wars at all, and it was just simply, you know, simply because, uh, you know, it was. I, I admit now it was a bad decision. I was like, oh, it's animation; it's not for me. And you know, as we all know, the Clone Wars stories are some of the best stories in the Star Wars uh, universe right now. But it is interesting. It was my son that he just he was gravitated toward that, um, and it was it's cool that he was because I discovered a piece of star Wars through him, which was so very cool. Absolutely. 
And it's just awesome to be in a place where there's so much Star Wars, you know? Yeah. 30 years ago, we didn't have all of this and it's, and it's wonderful. So you can, you know, whatever age you are, you can enter at any time, at any moment, you know, you yeah. have so much material out there, which is awesome. Yeah. I, 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 Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Keith. You want to say something? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I always, I say a lot on my show that what's really cool about the Disney era of star Wars is there are so many doors to enter in. My daughter entered Star Wars through The Force Awakens. My son entered through Clone Wars. I entered through the original trilogy. So there's, uh, you know, my good friend, Scotty J. Rowe, he entered in through the prequels. And that's so cool. And we all had, it's weird. We all came in through these different areas, but we all love the, 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 the story the same, which is so great. So cool. Now, as we're recording this, uh, just a couple of days ago, there was a big news that dropped. Breaking uh, news. Regard- <laughs> 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 All right, now, breaking news. I'm stealing your lines from you, Dad. Okay. <laughs> so, this is unscripted, as you can tell. Oh, no, it's <laughs> fantastic. I love it. <laughs> okay. yes, a couple of breaking news. Yes. So the breaking news is, according to Vanity Fair, there was an article, and it says that James Earl Jones is retiring from playing Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's been Vader for years. Yeah, I mean, everybody remembers him in Rogue One, even though he didn't say much. But, like, be careful <laughs> not to choke on your aspiration. <laughs> that was, like, the best line of the movie. Yeah. Absolutely. That was a great impression. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I try. <laughs> I can do a good impression of Mr. Burns, too. And Smithers. <laughs> Simpsons, very nice. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Who is that man? New season starting today, by the way. Yes. Uh, oh, really? Oh my gosh. Star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just want to talk a little about James Earl Jones and his contribution yeah. to Star Wars, and uh, so just wanted to hear uh, what you have to say about how important, how uh, invaluable his contribution is to to the saga. You know, it's funny. There's, it's interesting about Darth Vader that it's a character that is a, a broken human being that's put together in parts literally. and literally literally in parts and the way he has been brought to life on screen has been through the great dave prouse in in the costume uh voiced by james earl jones you had christian uh hayden christensen as Anakin, you had Sebastian Shaw as the unmasked Vader. You had so all these different people have been a part of it. But it, I, I remember when um, when I was uh, a young kid, probably about ten or eleven years old, and uh, I got a cape for some Halloween costume. And I remember walking through the house. And my dad was like, "You've got you're walking just like Dave Frost would walk." And I said, "Yes, but I'll never sound like James Earl Jones." <laughs> and um, it's so interesting the way his voice, even though he's done, what was it? Uh, he did Mufasa. He he's, you know, he was of course in field of dreams. Um, he was in some, Frasier. That's right. He was. That's right. I um, love Frasier. I love Frasier. Frasier is a funny show. Frasier is a good show. Um, but it's interesting. Just the, the way he delivered the lines, um, you know, it, that can't be, you know when it's him and when it's not him. When you play a video game and they don't use James Earl Jones, you can tell. And even no matter what they do with the the voice synthesizing and all that, you can just tell it wasn't him. And he's going to be greatly missed. Um, 
doing doing that voice. And I know there was a lot of um, technology that went into bringing his voice into Kenobi, but it was still James Earl Jones, and you could still feel that resonance. And I think, look, just like John Williams is retiring as well. Um, he is. Yeah, he said Indiana Jones is probably going to be his last movie. Um, no! Uh, <laughs> again, a great James Earl Jones. Well done. Uh, <laughs> um, it's um, it's kind of... Part of me is like, you know what? They've earned it. But it's also... It, just, it, it, it makes you sad. But it also... I think a really important sort of life lesson is just to be thankful that we have been around to see it and to be there and be a part of it. Right. I mean, but they, they say like the earth has been around for 5 billion years and you happen to be alive during the time of star Wars. I mean, how great is that? Um, but there is something about uh, back to your James Earl Jones specific question, the cadence of the way he speaks um, gave such gravity to the, his limited lines in the first couple movies. I mean, he really didn't, wasn't there much, but I also find it very interesting. And it says a lot about him is that Hayden Christensen listened a lot to that, uh, the way he delivered lines and tried to make it seem like that this is where this Anakin guy got that from. And um, again, I th the word I always use is cadence. Yes, he's got a rich voice and a very recognizable voice. Um, but just the way he took his time with every single line and accented, I mean... I all the time, I always say impressive, most impressive. And like, you can't coach that. Like the way that came out when they were in the booth, they must've been, I imagine sitting in the booth when he did that and just be like, okay, that was perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, just, went up everybody's spine when he said that. Uh, Everyone just, was like, should I hide the lightsaber now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he's, he's just a, he's a gift. And I, I, uh, he's got a well-deserved retirement, but boy, oh boy, he will be missed for sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems like with artificial intelligence, his voice will continue carry on, but you're right there. They're, just knowing that the physical uh, person will no longer uh, be a part of star Wars. Um, but he is, uh, it, it, it seems to me that Lucasfilm has taken a stand that, you know, he's irreplaceable. Um, yeah. They could have gone the way of choosing another actor to take over Vader's voice, but it, it, it's very hard. No, you know, it's very hard to match up to the voice of James Earl Jones. And I wonder who would even want to step into those shoes. I, I know. I mean, like poor Alden Ehrenreich, when he stepped into Harrison Ford's shoes, he did a phenomenal job. And I actually, I, I like Solo a lot as a movie. And I thought Alden did a great job. He didn't try to, he didn't try to do an impersonation of Harrison Ford. He made it his own. But man, that's an unenviable role. I mean, we all say that now, but you know, if they if they call you tomorrow, Kerwin, and they're like, hey, would you mind doing the voice, James Earl Jones? You jump on it. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I'll stay off of Twitter when that happens. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Delete all your accounts. <laughs> oh man, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we do a Vader version. Do it now. Uh, um uh what my, my favorite line from Vader would be, I am altering the deal. I'm altering it further. Okay, see, that was good. That was excellent. Yeah. Well <laughs> that, that's funny that you did that because that's my dad's favorite line. He does that all the time, which is very funny. Yeah. We, I, and it's funny. We all have a Vader line that we love. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's for me, it's impressive, most impressive and all too easy. I like that one a lot as well. That's a good one too. 
yeah. What about you, Keith? What's your favorite Vader? I thought another one. Yes. Go so ahead. apparently there was this line in the comics where Vader gets surrounded by a thousand men and like all these tanks and stuff. And Vader's like, I don't see, I don't see that. I see dead men. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yep. Don't, don't mess with Vader. <laughs> but you know, it's funny because Vader is, in, is an imposing character, but without James Earl Jones's voice, he's not mm-hmm. as much, right? Like even Kylo Ren, very cool character. The mask is intimidating. The presence of, of um, Adam Driver is, is massive. But that voice, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not as scary. <laughs> you know, it's so. Yep. No, I, I agree with you. Um, so he is still alive and well, you know, um, and he has done goodness. just beyond Star Wars, the roles that he's had over the years is fantastic. And um, I understand that they actually renamed a, a, a theater on Broadway to the James Earl Jones Theater. So it's good awesome. to see. I feel like I've heard that. Yeah. And it's yeah. good to see that he's getting his flowers while he's still here. Yes, exactly. So, yep. While he's still here. While he's still here, yeah, that's that's yeah. the term they use when you're giving people their their props and their their you know you're praising them while they're alive to see it. This is my point. Great. Yeah. This yep. sounds like a really odd phrase. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we're giving you your flowers before you're great. Yeah, we we older people have these phrases. So. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'm glad you're yeah. not old. No, I'm not. No, no one is. We're not old. We're not. Old. Uh, technically, the definition of old is like a, the Earth is old. Mm-hmm. It's like five billion years old. So by standard, people are very young. This is true. Absolutely true. That's right. That's right. So technically, no one on planet Earth is old. I agree. All right. We're, I like that. We're good with that. <laughs> philosophical. It makes me feel much better. I love it. <laughs> Hey, this has been fun. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for your time. Uh, do you uh, want to share your your uh, where people can find you? Yeah, sure. So um, every other Thursday, you can get an episode of Around the Galaxy where I sort of try to capture that magic moment when two Star Wars fans meet for the first time. And they tend to be uh, people who have some sort of Star Wars connection, whether it's uh, like Oscar winning effects artists or voice actors or authors or sometimes just personalities that are big fans. And a lot of times friends of mine through social, who I get to know through social media, who I want to spend more quality time like this with and try to get to know them. So that's every other Thursday. We're part of what we call the ATG cast podcast stream, which also is podcast of the wills with my buddy, Nick Milkey, who does a show where they take a, a deep dive into a particular scene or a particular moment in star Wars and talk about what it means to, um, to their, to, to, to his guest. And we also, do uh, a show live on Friday nights on YouTube called streaming star Wars. And we, uh, we call it sort of sports talk radio for star Wars. And we, we talk about whatever's happening in the news for star Wars that week. We open it up for calls and we take people joining us live uh, on Friday nights, which sometimes is very interesting. And, um, but uh, yeah, so, and you can find me on social media uh, at ATG cast, wherever you are, whether it's Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, I think I'm also on TikTok, which is weird because I don't use it much. Um, and our website is atgcast.com and you can find all of our episodes there and uh, links to all of our info. All right. All right. Thank you. you. Want to give a short version of where people can find us? All right. Speed up music, please. Here we go. 
Alright, I'll I'll add this in. Yes. Alright, so you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, Amazon Music, Audible, or wherever you get your podcast. Check out our socials, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Fathers and Galaxy. Please visit our website, fathersandgalaxy.com. Donate to our Patreon page. We have seven tiers and we'll be posting some more content soon. And uh check out our speaker page too. We um we're also releasing a lot of new stuff soon. We got some great interviews lined up for you. So uh that's it. Thank Ooh. you. All right. And we're have a website, fathersongalaxy.com. Very good. Pete Flesser, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh Corinne and Keith, thank you so much. This has been my pleasure. And it's our pleasure as well. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening or watching us on this episode. So until next time, take care and, and we will we'll see, see you again. again.